Welcome to the show, Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays talk about and review their favorite Star Wars content while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and I'm excited to announce the rebranding of this show as a Percy Jackson <laughs> podcast. Oh, God, no. We can't <laughs> oh, do yes. it. We, we, we have to. We are pivoting away. Star Wars is dead. No. Star Wars has been ruined. No, this please. is now the, the ascension of Percy Jackson. <laughs> so each Charles. each week we'll, we will be covering uh, some different facet of the Percy Jackson. No. No. Charles, I don't have enough brain capacity to do <laughs> Percy Jackson and also kind of have room for Star Wars somewhere in my brain. Like, I can't do both. I can only have room for one. Regrettably, I can do both, which is why I'm suffering constantly at all times. I'm just constantly miserable. No, Percy Jackson show good, actually. Percy Jackson show good. <laughs> Real fucking good. <laughs> oh, Lord. The fact that they have not renewed it for a season two yet, like officially, is beyond me. I don't I think with understand. With all the social media, like, bump in, like, engagement and everything that they're getting for this show, you'd think that they would. They would just be like, oh, well, fuck it. It's what? What's another, you know million couple dollars like just to solidify this real quick well it's so bizarre to me because one they haven't renewed it for season two despite it being like the one of the most viewed premiere weekends on disney plus and then also like they have the camp half-blood shirts but they don't really have a lot of merchandise that i've seen for this yet which is bizarre i'm waiting for them to like put camp half-blood in the parks that's what I'm waiting for. Oh, so you think this is going to be like Avatar level? Like they're going to really invest in this shit? And oh, like, yeah. Oh, gonna, yeah. They're oh, going to turn yeah. Dino Land into Camp Half-Blood or something. This is this is my dream, uh, is that they will rip out some other part of the park that no one cares about. I don't know, maybe Tomorrowland or something. Nobody something. cares about. And put in a Camp Half-Blood instead. They could rip out Swiss Family Robinson Island, Tom Slayer Island bullshit. And then so, fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. I was actually talking to, I can't remember if I was talking to my boyfriend or if I was talking to our friend Claudia over at Mystery Spotcast. But... I was actually bringing this up because I went to Disneyland for like over November for my birthday. And I we, we actually went over to Tom Sawyer's Island. It's now, well, no, it was Tom Sawyer's Island. Now it's like some pirate, vaguely pirate themed yeah, island. Know. Anyway, we went to it and we walked around and it, I mean, it was nice-ish. It had a bathroom with a door that you could close, which makes oh, it unique was. for Disney parks. <laughs> One of but only five in the park. One of only one of only like zero bathrooms with doors <laughs> on them that you can close and then have the whole bathroom to yourself. But I was remarking, I was like, you know, it'd be super easy to just like rebrand that entire island as Camp Half-Life. And even then, like, it's not going to break the sight line that much. Then you'd have to redo the entire boat tour, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me wishful thinking. Anyway, we don't have we don't have that much time to talk about Percy Jackson's good. Go and watch it, and then read the books because they're also surprisingly really good. Bradley's on what Titans Curse? You're on Titans yeah, Curse. I'm, I'm as rereading the this. entire series because I wanted to take a break from Star Wars novels, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? What's the next best thing that I can do? And that's to refresh my memory on all the book stuff from Percy Jackson. So. We really, truly don't have time for this. Before we hop into the episode, Bradley, you and I did a little bit of our own little negotiation as to how we wanted to structure all the missing content. 
if listeners are listening in order or they listened to last week's episode, they heard the Ahsoka Zero that we recorded like three days before the show came out. And now we're, we're jumping into Ahsoka, which means that we're going to keep pushing the twins at back to after Ahsoka. Now, unfortunately, somebody did leave us a very lovely review back in July, and we read it in that twins episode that got pulled. So the arrangement that Bradley and I came to is we would push the twins to after Ahsoka to keep it more with as much of Visions as possible. But I'm going to read this review out loud on the show. So if you're listening to this, bear in mind, this is not the first time we're reading this. I just didn't want this person to have to wait an entire fucking year <laughs> to hear this review. So I'm going to read the review. And then in a couple of months, two and a half months, however long it takes us to do Ahsoka, you will hear our reaction to the review on the twins. So the review is from Darth Sanith. Darth Sanith writes in, I discovered GSG through the Divas podcast network and reading Charles ranting about all the things, but mostly flamethrowers on the Discord. Charles and Bradley are entertaining and make you feel as if you're sitting at a table discussing Star Wars with friends. They have a variety of perspectives of the content and fandom that don't include the toxic fan culture that is risen in Star Wars media. It's another great podcast with good content that I will gladly continue to listen to. Also, I love the Force Unleashed games. Fight me, Charles. So thank you, Darth Sanis, for that lovely review. Sorry we wait, we had to wait six months right. uh, before reading it. And I promise in about two months or so, when the twins comes out, you'll be able to hear our reaction to that review. But for now, Bradley, what are we doing today? After all this time, somehow <laughs> we returned. We are going to be doing Ahsoka episode one. We are at long last going to cover the Ahsoka show. It's been a long road to get here. Good I, lord. I was so funny because I, you know, it's funny. When we were not doing it on purpose because we were trying to honor the strikes, we, I was thinking like in the back of my brain, like we already did it. Like, because the show was already happening. So I just, I like somehow I just tricked my brain into thinking we had already covered this show. And so I was just, I didn't think about it because we were doing the comics and the books. And I was like, oh, I've already moved on. And <laughs> we're having fun. We're yeah, having we fun. We were just having a good we're time. Vibing. We're moisturized, staying in our lane, flourishing. <laughs> And I was just like, yeah, th this is great. You know, I don't have to worry about covering another show for a while. Like, we're going to go into the new year and, like, maybe we'll just come up with something else to do. And I was like, oh, shit. I forgot. We never did a Ahsoka. <laughs> yep. Well, the good news is they, they released some, like, press release or some itinerary thing. And it had the show upcoming shows for 2024 and the only two that were on there were the acolyte and skeleton crew were the only two that were on there and i'm like oh thank god because i i need some time we need some time to catch up no for sure <sighs> now there's there's been some discussion like on twitter that like maybe tales of the jedi season two will come out but that'll only be like six episodes maybe the bad batch season three will come out but i'm fine with that Having only two live action shows, I'm, I'm fine with that. We, we need the time. We need to catch up on things like Ahsoka that we didn't cover while the strikes were ongoing. Which, side note, now that the strikes are over, now that the strikes are over and I can safely do this, I have some issues with the way Zack handled that. <laughs> I don't want to say anything during the strike, but right. that proposal that they ended up with was... It, it had some problems. And then just whoever was running their comms department, this is my big issue. Whoever was running their comms department 
like clearly had no authority to say things and wasn't getting clear answers from the people with authority because multiple times SAG was putting out statements that were either confusing, vague, or just fucking stupid. Like ass brain stupid and then they had to come in later and clarify or they never clarified and like the writing should have been on the wall we should have seen that when they did the whole no unpaid promotion and then didn't bother to clarify what that meant for a that week yeah like it's very clear to me that somebody like upper in the sag leadership like on the board or, or up like high up has no fucking idea about online discussion has no fucking idea about like fan spaces none of that and the communications team was just sitting here like we have no directives to do anything so everything's fucking exploding right now we have no fucking idea i thought the writers handled everything a lot better personally in my opinion but as other podcasts have said and i'll reiterate you can stand in solidarity with something and also be critical of the people who are are attempting to manage it so i'm just throwing that out there i was not happy with sag aftra's management of the strike uh and that comes all the way down to the contract that they got but that's the thing i wanted to enter in for the record before we we get to ahsoka i know we keep saying we're gonna do ahsoka and then we change it (laughs) off into something else we keep doing something else (laughs) But that is the brand of that is the brand of our show, Bradley. It really is. Do we do do we, ready? Do, do you remember how to do a TV show, Bradley? Uh, you know what? Okay, let me preface before we start for sure. Again, before we start again. <laughs> before um, we start again, we are starting and stopping. It's starting and stopping. It's starting and right. stopping. It's starting and stopping. I I do want to explain how we're gonna do this because I when we first were back in the day we were talking about doing the show i was like oh i'm gonna change the format a little bit and it's gonna be a little different because i don't want to have to write all these little sections out like scripts and stuff and then as i was doing my notes while watching the show i found myself writing out scripts for each section <laughs> of the show the only reason why i didn't like doing it before is because they were so long Like I was writing these super long paragraphs that were taking forever to explain the scenes and the sections because I was trying to really like control where we were talking about each section. Guys, horrible news. Podcasting actually is a lot of work. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I, I say that it's like about, I want to say 10 hours of work split between me and Bradley. Yeah. If we were, if we raw record for two hours, guys, that's me. That's four hours of me editing the podcast. That's literally four hours. Like, it's not a matter of like, oh, it's only an hour recording, so it only takes me an hour to edit. No, that that's not that's not the case. I don't just sit there and just listen and go, yep, that was great. One hour done. Okay, we can move on. I literally have to sit there, edit little mini tiny things. It takes me like five minutes just to do like one minute of work. So it, it doubles my time listening. And so I always have to do all that kind of stuff. And then like randomly, I'm like, you know what? I do want to add a random funny bleep here because it's funnier if we don't say fuck. It's funnier if we bleep it out. <laughs> Or like, I'll just do creative changes and I just think about stuff like that. So it takes me a long time to edit these episodes. Yeah, there's a reason we love doing shows not as they're airing, because then we get nine whole days for we'll record. And that also gives me right. time to, because I got to watch and I get to do my notes and that involves research. <laughs> and then Bradley has to go off and edit, which takes uh, on average twice the length of the actual episode itself. And then it has to go back to me, who then has to listen to it. And if we're doing TikToks again, which I think we're about to start doing TikToks again. I think I think we were going to try to do them for this show. Then that's another hour to hour and a half per TikTok that I do. God, I haven't done one of those in months. That's terrifying <laughs> for me. And I still feel like I'm doing so much fucking work for this. Sh- anyway, you were saying <laughs> that you were writing these long sections. Right. 
So the way I did it this time, I just, I did the same thing where like, I would say like, what is going on in the scene, but because of the way I broke it down, I tried to simplify them as best I could like without, so I might like leave out like mini things, like just like little tiny things that happen in the scene, but I try to get the broad sense of what's happening in the section we're talking. So instead of like being, I think on Wikipedia, they like to give them titles. Like they're like, ah, oh, Ahsoka finds the map or they give them names, right? Or something weird. I didn't do that. I did section one, section two, section three. And the only way I broke it up was like, okay, I feel like the scene is pretty much done. We've moved on to like the next thing we're talking about or whatever. So I kind of judged it based on that. I didn't really go by Wikipedia's version of it. I kind of just did it. When I was watching the episode, I just go, that's a natural stopping point. Bam. And then we move on. So hopefully that lines up with your notes. We'll see how it all goes. We'll just kind of play it by ear. I also figure before we talk about each scene, we can talk about the actors of each scene so like yeah we're just gonna segment them off and do them them separately because otherwise it's gonna be a nightmare trying to come up with stuff as they appear and i was just like this is there guys there's so many new people in this show i can't like you have no idea how hard it is for us we cannot i i'm sorry if we leave somebody out we we cannot possibly talk about this is the andor problem again we cannot possibly talk about every actor in this show yeah it's impossible (laughs) It and, is impossible. We're going to we're going to do, do our best, best to hit them, but like we we cannot cover. And we're also we we had made the decision Bradley you and I before we started recording that we were not going to cover characters who had previously appeared. So basically we were not doing Rosario Dawson, we're not doing Diana Lee Innocento, and we are not doing Hayden Christensen or Tamara Morrison because we right. you you know who all those people are. We've right. either covered them on a different episode or you fucking know who Hayden Christensen is. Like, you do not need me to tell you who Hayden Christensen is. Right. I mean, and but, literally, guys, in my notes, I all I have for those people is Diana Lee and Asanto reprising her role from The Mandalorian as Morgan Elsa. Like, that's go. literally it. Like, I don't, we don't need to talk about her anymore. Like, we know who she is. She's fantastic. We love them both. They're great. Let's talk about the new people because we need to give them their spotlight too. All right. We've we've vacillated for long enough. Bradley, right. you wanna what long last after nearly seven fucking months <laughs> of being standing in solidarity with the striking unions and covering a whole variety of things from books to comics to legends. Do you want to take us back into a TV show? This week, we're covering Ahsoka Episode 1, Part 1, titled Master and Apprentice. A valuable prisoner escapes New Republic custody. A search for answers reunites two old friends. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? Uh, One thing I liked about this episode, production design kicked ass. It was gorgeous. It was bright. It was colorful. It was fun. It was reminiscent of the animated show that it's a continuation of, while not necessarily like trying to one for one translate everything. There was just so many little details and all of the backgrounds and all of the costumes. It's just gorgeous to look at. It's just fun to look at. Even the villains, like when Balin and and Shin show up, and they have their like orange lightsabers and they've got these like dirty kind of Jedi-ish robes, but not quite. I loved that. The The production design was absolutely fantastic. One thing I didn't like about this episode, 
Looking back on this episode, I, I understand what they were trying to set up with Ahsoka and Sabine. I, I feel like this this way of writing it to where we we gradually over the course of the series have picked it up, that didn't really work for me overall. And in this first episode, it's particularly glaring because we won't like really find out what happened between them until later on. And normally, you know, I don't mind starting a story in media's res, but I do think a lot of understanding the emotional core of this episode and the emotional beats of this episode relied so much on knowing at a very baseline what happened between these two. Because Ahsoka and Sabine, I don't think ever met. Or they were in the same room in Rebels, but I, I don't think they ever had a conversation. Like, we have no idea that these characters were supposed to have a relationship with each other. And we, we just now suddenly were here, and it's weird, and we don't really know. And like I said, I don't really mind that, you know, we've jumped ahead and we're going back to find out later. But I think that it could have been handled a little bit more clearly so that was my issue with rewatching it. it is i was like okay no i i get things like how sabine clearly spent time on the ship because she has the little drawings in there and i get now i get the conversation between ahsoka and sabine but watching it at the time i was just like what is going on here i am so confused uh and there is also a particular structural issue with this episode but i will talk about it when we get to the end of the episode it's going to be my final thought on the episode is I want to talk about the a very weird structural choice that's made with this episode. I feel bad because a lot of this series is going to be me going through the individual scenes and going, I love this. I love this. This is great. And then the final thoughts of being, yeah, so that was a mess. <laughs> just just a preview. Who knows? Maybe my opinion will change as we watch through the show. I liked this episode more watching it again. What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. One thing I liked about this episode was, I think you kind of touched on it. I really did like the colorfulness of the episode. I just felt like what I like about the tone of every single Star Wars show is that they're all different. Like they all have a different tone to them. And, you know, we've always said Mandalorian is kind of this more like fun Star Wars show. I felt like this was giving us that a little bit. It's because it is supposed to be in the kind of Mandoverse kind of world. I like how Ahsoka is this but it's got the rebels like little colorfulness attached to it. So I think it's, it's reminiscent of rebels, but it's got the Mandalorian fun aspect to it. So I don't know. I just thought that it was just enjoyable. Like I, as a fan, I enjoyed the episode. I don't think that it's that big of a deal. I think people who were like, Oh my God, this show is dumb or whatever. Or like, Oh, you have to have only watched rebels. If you wanted to watch Ahsoka or something. I don't think that's true. I think they did a decent enough job of, any newcomer coming in watching it being like, oh yeah, this is interesting. I like this show. I thought just tonally it was good. For what I didn't like, I'm just gonna use the cop out of I don't like Disney doing two episodes in one day to justify a premiere. I think the episode needs to stand alone and then you should be, have to wait a week for the next episode. Even if they do show both episodes, you should we, we should have been able to watch this episode and then wait a week and then be like, okay, that was a strong by itself episode. It doesn't have any connection to the next episode whatsoever. Like I just felt like they relied too heavily on, well, we're going to stab Sabine at the end. Oh no, she's dead. Just kidding. Here's the next episode. She's fine. And they didn't want us to wait a week on that cliffhanger, it, which wasn't a cliffhanger 
cliffhanger because we knew there was a whole nother fucking episode right after it. So I don't know. It took away that cliffhanger for me. I wanted, I need it. I need it to stand on its own by itself. I thought it was decent by itself. I just thought that it relied too much on the continuation of the next episode to be like, okay, but here's the actual plot of the season. So I thought that they really should have condensed it more into the first episode and been like, no, let's put Ahsoka on her journey now, not wait a whole nother episode before we do that. Yeah, and I think I think you've touched on something that's going to be one of my overarching issues with the show and how it's paced and how it's structured. Uh, we talked about, like, with previous shows, Andor suffered from this really, really badly. And I think Andor is one of the, the best TV shows I've ever seen in my entire life. But Andor suffered from this really badly is these shows are written kind of to be streamed and then released episode to episode. And so there's a, a growing lack of rhyme or reason to where they're cutting the episodes, what they're putting in an episode, how they're handling them. Like, I remember back when, when Mando came out and the first season of Mandalorian, each episode was this very clear, like, art to the episode. And Ahsoka, some of the episodes have really clear arcs. Some of them are just kind of moving the plot along so i i feel like in a lot of ways elements of the show like it was conceived and then they just kind of broke it up because disney came in and said we need eight episodes because of bullshit things we're doing so you can't have 10 episodes that you clearly need to tell this story you have to have eight and you're gonna have to do it this way and oh by the way we're releasing them and i get why they release them one episode at a time it's to keep it going in the cultural like conversation like when netflix releases something if you're not Heartstopper, nobody's talking about you a week later right so that's why they're doing this so it is it is weird we'll we'll get to some of the structure things when i get to the stuff at the end but i do 100 percent agree with your thing about the the episodes need to feel like they stand on their own and the episodes need room to breathe so we're doing something different on this we show. are uh this episode instead of doing a previously on the mandalorian or a flashback of all the movies like kenobi did we get a title crawl we do we have the return of the title crawl which you have not seen about this. which we have not seen i think since solo right because i think that was because rogue one just starts and solo then... has the little title card at the beginning sure but i don't think any of the shows that have come out since then have used that crawl have used any sort of reading watch us that's the one thing we mess up this episode no but what that will be the thing charles fucked up is i will forget that blanket statement (laughs) actually actually this this show randomly that you didn't watch used the title crawl I remember for next week where uh, Young Jedi Adventures uses the title crawl every episode or something. <laughs> hey, no, that show actually rules. Like I've I've watched episodes. That show actually rules. Yeah. Oh Christ! I remember back in the ancient Halcyon days when LucasArts actually fucking released games occasionally and didn't release one game every two years. But I remember like every single one of them used to open with the title crawl. Like Classic. every single one of them used to open with the title crawl. Um, anyway, I we have. A title crawl i was gonna say we have one i wasn't gonna read the whole thing because uh if you're watching the show you guys can read yourself i'm not your teacher okay but i did want to point out one tiny part of the title crawl that is it is... that they capitalized random names just like they do in the movies no i actually that <laughs> didn't bother me it's actually what the second to last thing says what is that and it says former jedi knight ahsoka tano captured one of thrawn's allies blah 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 hold up ahsoka tano has never been knighted so why are they saying former jedi knight ahsoka tano she quit 
She quit the order, guys. She never. This she is the most. And this quit. is the most pedantic thing you have ever ever latched onto. It, I'm so proud of you. Because I had to do notes for this show, I was actually paying attention to shit like this, and I instantly I was like some little Star Wars nerd, and I went Whoop! that uh, that meme from. Uh, um, actually, what is that? What is that movie? Or Leonardo DiCaprio in that meme where he whistles at the TV and he's like, "Whoop!" Right there, just saw it. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't remember the movie, but I've seen the meme. Yes. So that's instantly that stood out to me. Why did they say former Jedi Knight? I will have a moment like that later on in the episode. So that's that's yours. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. She was, in fact, to my knowledge, never actually knighted. Right. If you if they had just said former Jedi, I'll say that's fine. Whatever. Because Jedi is a, a loose term, right? But knight? That's a specific title. So we're just going to file that one away into you accidentally said that. Okay. Probably could have used one or two more drafts on that one. That's going to be a running a running theme is probably could have used one or two more drafts. Sure. And you know what? People make mistakes. It's fine. We're not all Pablo Hidalgo. We can't like edit the episode with a fine tooth comb and just make sure that you're making everything correctly. That's what the fans are for, I guess, to point out your flaws. That's what we're for is to point that out. Or maybe they put these things in there. I'll bet you it's probably in there just to to not confuse. Because you raised an excellent point earlier, and I do agree that like the show does a pretty good job of you being able to watch it if you've never watched Rebels. It will tell you the information. You'll miss the emotional beats. It won't feel as as emotionally resonant, but you can watch it and understand it. And I think it's one of those things is like he just they just didn't want to confuse people. Oh no, I'm sure. I mean, and it makes sense because like if you actually read the rest, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but it but it does do a good job of being like, okay, this is who Thrawn is. This is who Morgan Elspeth is. You don't have to have watched Rebels. You don't have to have read the Thrawn books. You don't have to have watched Mandalorian. You really don't. I mean, it they do a decent enough job just to explain to like Ahsoka's the main character. She's looking for this guy because she arrested this girl done like that's the plot and we get it and they they hinted at thrawn a little bit in mando season three if you watched it but if you didn't i mean i don't think it's that important i mean they explicitly talked about thrawn in mando season three but yeah later on they're going to reference mando season three in this show but we'll get we'll get there when we get there that's one of my favorite scenes of the entire show for reasons that longtime listeners of this podcast will definitely know well let's start with the actual up so okay section one the episode opens with the new republic cruiser traveling through space two mysterious force users board the ship and begin attacking they eventually break out the Prisoner, Morgan Elspeth, title card, part one, Master and Apprentice. Who are notable actors in this sequence, Bradley? Okay. So I, I know how we said we weren't going to do every single actor. However, I did every single actor in this section. Okay. Um, only because the two kind of lower uh, actors who literally die in the scene. So they're not important later on in the show. Low, lower I, on the cast list, by the way, not lower right. in terms of anything else, but they're lower on the cast list yes. priority than the other I two figured, people in the scene. I wanted to give them their moment only because they do have relevant information to us. So first up is Mark Ralston as Captain Hale. He has been in movies such as Aliens, Shawshank Redemption, Rush Hour, and he's done a couple voices in some video games. For his He's also Star very Wars prolific action. in Star Trek. He's oh. He's done a lot of Star Trek. He, uh, he has been in a Star Wars before. Yes, so Bradley, where was he? He was in season one of Tales of the Jedi, episode two, Justice, if you really want to know. 
And he played the character of Senator Dagonet, and that's the senator that Dooku force chokes in the episode. So there you go. Very nice. So he's been in a Star War before. Who's who's playing the other person, Bradley? Uh, uh, the, the other other New Republic officer, which her name is Jensen Corbett in uh, in universe. Uh, did you by... did you catch did you catch Jensen Corbett? Did you catch what that's probably a reference to? No, I didn't actually. It's probably a reference to Jennifer Corbett, oh. who is one of the people who works on Bad Batch. She's the, is she sound design or no? She's... No, she's one of the, let me look up what her exact, this is the thing Charles didn't research. I know she's very high. She's the lead writer, I think. She's the head writer. Oh, Jennifer okay. Corbett is the head writer. I knew she was high up on the, the writing team, but uh, okay. Jennifer Corbett is the head writer of the Bad Batch. So this name, Jensen Corbett, I couldn't find anywhere explicitly that it was a reference to Jennifer Corbett, but it's probably a reference to but Jennifer it probably Corbett. Is. Okay, I like that. Uh, she is played by Shakira Barrera, and she's been in shows such as Shameless, uh, Glow on Netflix, and more importantly, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, where she plays the character called Agent King. I just thought the that was Eternal funny. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connection. Anytime an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up in a Star Wars, I must reference and talk about them for some unknown reason. I feel like it's important. I don't know why. We've always done it. I'm just always... It's just become it. part of our <laughs> thing now. One of these days when we completely run out of Star Wars, we will do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. I need to actually finish that show. I've never finished it. I've also never finished. <laughs> I watched season one and season two and went, I started season three and went, this is not as good as season two and stopped watching. I've definitely watched up until like either the fourth or fifth season. And I thought the show was done. And then I found out that there's like two or three more seasons. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought the show was over. Now I've watched, uh, I've watched the prequel agent Carter. I've watched yeah. that both seasons of that show, but I've, I've never finished agents of shield. Anyway, there are more people in this this sequence, Even more Bradley. People. So let's let's do next. We'll do uh, Ivana Sakno. Is that how we Sakno. say her name? Ivana Sakno. She is Ukrainian, so I apologize for uh, mispronouncing her name. It's she has been in a couple things. I didn't really recognize a lot of her stuff because it's mostly Ukrainian TV shows. But she was in a movie called The Spy Who Dumped Me. It's a comedy. It was really funny. But Star Wars Connection, she was in a movie called Pacific Rim Uprising with John Boyega. Yep. So she go. only has 21 acting credits, which is very impressive given how good her acting is. No, I thought she killed it. She's great. She's playing one of our new villains, by the way, uh, for those who don't know. So she'll be with us for a long time. So we thought we got to give her her time. And, and who's the other? Who's the gentleman that's with her in the scene? The gentleman with her is Ray Stevenson, unfortunately, has passed away May 21st of 2023. So he never got to see the show. And this was his last role as an actor to be published. He has been in plenty of movies and TV shows. I mo noted a few that I've seen. Uh, the Three Musketeers in 2011. He was in all four of the Thor movies that Marvel produced. He was in a TV show called Rome that was very popular back in the day. Yes. So he is I was going to note that he was actor. Rome. He's um, also been in Star Wars before, hasn't he, Bradley? He has a Star Wars credit already, which is I did You know what's funny is I feel like I knew this, but I didn't. Like I just it just re, I guess it just left my brain. But he has been in Rebels and in the final season of The Clone Wars, I think, plays Gar Saxton. Yep. He has also been in The Spanish Princess as King James. And he has been in, what was the other one? Black Sails. 
he plays Blackbeard. So R.I.P. to Ray Stevenson. This episode is actually dedicated to him because uh, he did nice. he did pass away uh, unfortunately prior to the premiere of this season. You ready to talk about what's actually happening in this scene? <laughs> yes. Okay. Now we can. Now we can actually discuss this. And scene now and actually talk about the show. We can actually talk about the show. Uh, the New Republic ship is called the Vesper. It is a cruiser. I had never really seen anything like it off the top of my head before, but I do like the opening shot of it in space. It's it's very Star Wars. Balin shuttle. Let's talk about Balin shuttle. Balin is flying an ETA or an ETA class shuttle. I've always just said ETA class shuttle. Sure. Uh, because I'm wrong, but that's an ETA class shuttle, and we have seen that before in Star Wars The Clone Wars and a couple of the comics. So he is flying like an old school Jedi ambassador shuttle. Oh, okay. So which that I makes thought sense. was a neat touch. I love the random, like, so they walk out. Hale is like, I'm going to go down and confront these guys. There's like a random Mon Calamari there. <laughs> and he's I, wearing the, yeah. like, helmet that's clearly sized for humans. I love it. And that's just so funny to me. It's also like, why is he even wearing a helmet? I have no idea because it's regulation, I guess. I, I guess, but like, he can't wear, like, don't they wear gloves too? Like, so he can't wear the gloves. So what is the, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I loved him. I loved randomly that he's here. And here's one of the things too. I do like the random aliens in the background of Ahsoka. Oh, of course. Like, I love Andor to death. I really do. Lack of very much a lack of aliens in that show. Lack yeah. of non-humans. Mandalorian only ever seems to bring up its non-humans when they're being the villains. Actually, now that you mention it, they're the only villains of the show <laughs> are not are humans. Uh, Moth, well, the aliens tend to turn up as like mercenaries for Den sure. to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, uh, but yeah, the only villains of the Ahsoka show are, well, there's, there's some notable exceptions. There's a handful of notable exceptions, but for the most part, at least for these first four episodes, five episodes, we're dealing with humans, Balin, Shen, and Morgan. Hale is a fucking idiot. I like how he's, well, first of all, can we talk about how the scene in the beginning is very like Star Trek reminiscent anyway? So I don't know if that's just a nod to his acting credits, but like it's very like take the bridge, Captain. Like you know, da, da, da. oh you yeah, know, it's very well. Much, he's like, playing it that way because that's what he has experience, and I do yeah, like that a lot. I thought it was knowing great. he's been in a lot of Star Trek makes his the way he delivers the line. You know, you have the sure. bridge makes sense. I love that, but yeah, he's an idiot. Yep. Why would well, you? Why would ho, let's let's call them hostiles because we don't know who they are. We don't know what they're here. For for or anything this is a strange ship you're gonna let them land on your ship and then you're going to confront them with like a little bit of a crew but not really and, and it's a jedi ship right like it's jedi it's a jedi ship that's just landed they're wearing black cloaks so this dude clearly is not aware that he is in a star wars like he doesn't know the visual signifier of wearing a dark cloak and walking up to somebody is a bad thing this has like never gone well in star flags. wars evil red flags big red flags i think it speaks to the arrogance of the new republic i think it speaks to the, the the way that the New Republic has sort of won the war. Right. And now they they don't have anything necessarily that's unexpected to them anymore. That they're just like, oh, we're not really taking anything seriously. These random guys are going to show up. Yeah, we're going to send the fucking captain of the ship down to go deal with them. Like... I think it speaks highly to that and and we see kind of where that's going over the course of this show and then where it's going to lead into future seasons of the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and then it's all going to culminate in, you know, apparently there was another war in between Return of the Jedi and uh, Force Awakens. Uh, of course. 
because uh, of course content there's a hallway scene because of course there's a hallway scene i love the music in this scene just the like really hard piano music like the really hard chords that they play it's such a odd like choice because it doesn't match really anything else that we've ever seen in star wars but you're right the the piano is so strong in this scene that it's like oh is this a new theme for someone like this is like so cool uh by the way the soundtrack for ahsoka was composed by kevin kiner i'm shocked and odd shocked and odd that the really good music was in fact done by kevin kiner i liked it i thought it was a really good choice i i mean i are we calling this scene or is it in the uh soundtrack is it called like i i don't know what it's called, in, it called? in the soundtrack i uh, truthfully i'm i'm gonna show my fake fan here i haven't gotten around to listening to the full soundtrack from ahsoka yet so i couldn't well, pick then, specific tracks out for i don't you. know i'm calling it valen's theme then because i don't know it just sounds cool yeah it's it's definitely his theme like yeah I think it plays a few times with him. But I love the choice to just make it this really like, you can hear them just slamming on the keys. Like it's a very, it's a very simple melody and like it's very hard, very kind of dissonant chords. But I love it. I love it. It's great. And then he frees Morgan. Now, tiny little nitpick. I do think this would have worked better if he'd asked what the Jedi's name was and then we got the Ahsoka title card. But this scene also works when she says Ahsoka's name. That's true. I I was thinking about how it was broken up and I was thinking like, don't they normally do like if the show is about the person, like theoretically, you would have the starting scene be about that person or well it leads it transitions this is one of the scenes structural scenes i do like opening with the villains Uh and then it segues into our our protagonist is a very common star Wars. the a new hope opens like this like this is very the opening of a new hope this is very the opening of knights of the old republic this is very the opening of the force awakens sure even though the force awakens has one of its protagonists in the first scene but whatever we don't have time to get to that one day we'll one day we'll do the sequels one day we'll break them down into their three-act structure and do the sequels but not today i actually i actually did like that it opened with the villains and then transitioned into ahsoka speaking of ahsoka in section two starting with ahsoka tano searching the ruins of a planet where she finds some treasure she is ambushed by assassin droids she is then rescued by hu yang the droid they are contacted by the new republic on the comms see i simplified it it's <laughs> I, i'm so glad that you've, you've started simplifying this well because uh, there was way too much happening in this i could have been like so detailed i could have been like she goes into the tomb she finds the map she twists the map and then it makes a secret indiana jones thing happen and then da like nah i'm not doing that this season speaking of we don't need to talk about uh our titular character rosario dawson you all know her from the mandalorian she's great she's also disney trifecta she is amazing she um, is also absolutely knocking this park out of, part out of the water. Of course. Uh, anyway, we don't need to talk about Rosario Dawson. Who else is in this sequence, Bradley? Okay, so I had to do somebody who was random that I did not know was in this scene uh, first because I wasn't expecting to do any other character except for Ahsoka and Hu Yang. And then I was, as I was doing my notes and stuff, I saw the assassin droids are voiced by someone. I was like, and who oh, are the assassin droids voiced by, Bradley? Weird. I was like, you'd think they would just be like some random sound design thing. Well, turns out it is a woman by the name of Helen Sadler. We've talked about Helen Sadler on the show before, we haven't we, Bradley? Sure 
have because she has done hella voices for Star Wars. I don't so need to name all of them, many. but there's a there's plenty. Just just looking at at uh IMDb just vaguely glancing at it in reverse chronological order. She's the voice of the B2 battle droids in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. She's Dr. Scalder in The Bad Batch. She's Rey in fucking everything animated. <laughs> and she is the Ishi Tib Guildmaster in The Book of Boba Fett. She's the voice of Major Anri in Star Wars The Old Republic, if you still play that, which I don't. She's in Star Wars Squadrons. She's in Star Wars Forces of Destiny. She's been in a lot. Okay. I was also surprised to see her in this. I wasn't expecting to have to cover the assassin droids in this episode, other than I thought they looked cool. But now we know they have the voice of Helen Sadler. Yes. And what's the other voice in this scene, Bradley? Surprisingly or not surprisingly, is another droid voiced by David Tennant. He's just a small time. Who is David Tennant? (laughs) He's just a small time UK actor. He's been in like one or two things. It's not. He's not that big of a deal. I I saw him on a show called Good Omens. I don't think anybody saw that show. No, Uh, he's also on a. I've never heard of Good Omens. I've never heard of that either. I've never seen it. It's. Uh, I mean, he was in Doctor Who like ages ago. Like he definitely has not just been back on Doctor Who recently. (laughs) Definitely. No. If you exist in the nerd space at (laughs) all, like not even online, generally speaking, you know who David Tennant is. He won an Emmy for the being the voice of Hu Yang on The Clone Wars. He is the 10th and 14th Doctors on Doctor Who. He is Kilgrave in Jessica Jones. Also listed as known for, but two things I've both seen and both really enjoyed. He's Peter Vincent in Fright Night. He's D.I. Alec Hardy in Broadchurch. God, Broadchurch was so fucking good. I've watched that whole show. It's so fucking bleak. It's so fucking good. Yes, he's Crowley on Good Omens. This man has 156 acting credits. He's also a pretty good stage actor. Uh, there's a fairly famous performance that he did with uh, the actress who played Donna No, Catherine Tate, where they were Benedict and Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing, which is my favorite Shakespeare comedy. Yeah, this man is unbelievably prolific in nerd spaces also kicks ass uh he's married to the daughter of his childhood hero pete davidson not pete davidson fuck who plays the fifth doctor i was like whoa scratch that reverse it (laughs) what did you just say because that doesn't add up that's a totally different person oh it's not it's the daughter he's married to the daughter of the man who played his childhood like doctor the fifth doctor who's peter davidson not pete davidson peter davidson not not the same but sure and his son ty Tennant, uh who i think he's the stepdad i'm not 100 percent sure i'm not going to check ty Tennant, you might remember as young uh aegon targaryen from house of the dragon so if you're a nerd online you know who david Tennant is you know I who do want to. I do want to note that he is our first Disney trifecta of the season. Uh, not counting Rosaria Dawson. Not counting her because she already has one. But he is our first new. I should say our first new Disney trifecta of the. He's season. our first new one. Yes. You did mention he was on Marvel's Jessica Jones uh, as Kilgrave, which Rosario Dawson also was on that show as the character of Claire. Danes, I think. Uh, yeah. So that's funny. They were in the same show already. I mean, he's done other Disney stuff, but I just wrote down he was in DuckTales because he is the current voice of Scrooge McDuck. So he is our first Disney trifecta of the season. 
also uh, has been openly supportive of trans people in the UK, which is rad. Good on you, David Tennant. Well, he who just, could he... find fault in, you know, the true one doctor of the nerds? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm partial to Peter Capaldi personally uh but yes if you think about doctor who you're probably thinking of david Tennant. i will say as someone who has never seen the show i think of him as doctor who and most people do <laughs> most people think of either him or matt smith anyway so there's not much to this scene that i had because not a lot like happens in it right it's very like indiana jones she sets off the trap kind of thing i actually have a that. note here because I'm 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 taking a little break from Baldur's Gate 3 to play Lego Indiana Jones because I got it on sale. But I was like, I, I went from playing Lego Indiana Jones to doing my notes for this episode. And I was like, this is very like solve the puzzle to do the thing. It was also giving like Jedi Fallen Order to me. Mm, okay. Uh, and like to a lesser extent, Jedi Survivor, because a lot of Jedi Fallen Order, Bradley, I know you haven't played it, but a surprising amount of Jedi Fallen Order is about raiding lost temples and tombs. Oh, okay. Very uh, to rated. try to find Star things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it all goes back to the the tying into the Indiana Jones of it all. But right. Uh, yeah, it was sort of giving that. I did want to back up slightly and note uh, before we get down into the the little uh, holding area. You can see when she walks up that there are three statues. Three is going to be a big theme. Interesting. In this series, uh, you see three statues. There are three pedestals that she has to mess with, uh, and then the three kind of form into one. The, the idea of the Trinity is going to be very, very prevalent throughout this series. And these are things I notice because I can't turn my brain off. It's bad, Bradley. <laughs> yes, we do get to see the return of Hu Yang. Love that. We're coming back. Uh, we didn't know what happened to him after the Clone Wars, and now we do. He was just sort of hanging around. I was like, well, do we know what happened to him? Because he, yeah, we don't know the in-between time, so we don't know what he was doing in between, but. Well, originally, my understanding of those original, like, episodes of the Clone Wars is they were supposed to be kind of a backdoor pilot, and that the kids would ultimately, like, all be on his ship, and they would run around doing stuff during the Imperial era, and that obviously didn't end up happening. Uh, but yeah, we've had no idea what happened to him, and now we know. I mean, theoretically, they could still do that show if they wanted they theoretically to theoretically like... Some of the kids, I think, we know Gunji's alive. Right, but we could see how I believe they confirmed the that Katuni died at the temple. I think the little boy also dies at the temple. I mean, inevitably, they all die. Everyone but die. Everyone here's, dies, here's ultimately. They do that show, and then that's how they introduce the path into they kind of incorporate it all because then they can be like, okay, who Yang was a part of the path or some bullshit. And then there you go. God, That's where is my path show? I, where is my I path show? Where, where is, is it? Favreau? Where's my number for John Favreau? I was just about to call him actually. Uh, <laughs> I think I was about to leave. I'm just about to call. Now. I'll, I'll just casually speed dial Kathleen Kennedy, who I, who I, <laughs> my close personal <laughs> friend, close Kathleen personal friend. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> we also get the return of the HK droids. We remember HK model droids from the Mandalorian season two. HK droids, of course, the designation going all the way back to Knights of the Old Republic with HK 47, the best character in that game. I, I love Ahsoka's little look when the droids go to self-destruct. She's like, oh, crap. She's like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Which I need to talk about the self-destruct thing because, okay, one tiny nitpick. It was a goof in the episode. Please uh, nitpick. 
sorry. I please I love nitpick. Doing this. I I, tr- I want to be positive about Star Wars, and oh, no. despite this me being critical fun. of the show, I'm yeah. I'm gonna try to have fun with it. But I will say, Bradley, this is a safe place for you to nitpick away. I am <laughs> right. the god emperor of nitpicks. Okay, this is not that big of a deal. I want to preface that I really genuinely don't care. It's just a funny thing that I notice when Ahsoka notices that the droid is going to self destruct. There's only two droids left. And then when it goes, it cuts back to the droids, like waiting to self-destruct or something. There's now three. So like one randomly pops up out of nowhere. She's only down to two. She like kills all of them. And then there's only two left. And then there, a third one randomly appears when they cut back to them about to explode. And I'm like, where did this third one come from? I don't really are paying way too much attention to this. way too much attention, guys. I'm sorry. It's not that big of a deal. Who really gives a fuck? Uh, Maybe he just was out of shot. I don't know. My only other thing I want to talk about this scene is like, why is that big of a bomb in these droids? That is an excellent question that I also had. I was that like, is not a normal like thermal detonator sized bomb. Like this is like, what is this? This is like a fucking atomic bomb almost. Yeah, like, they leveled the city. So the city that she's in, she's in like a a, a pretty decently sized like ancient temple city complex. Right. Uh, it levels the whole fucking thing. Like it just destroys it. And I'm like, it's it's not got the colorful like blast of rhydonium so i don't know i don't know what this is yeah i, I have don't know no, what the i have no was. idea also i'm sorry another random nitpick if these droids were sent by morgan why would she later when she talks about how oh this is the home of my ancestors or whatever blah blah, blah this is a very sacred place why would she go and blow it up like i don't know to prevent ahsoka from figuring out how to open the map i know but it's just my my conflict there is she's One, so into like her you know her past her like her people and like further on later on in the show spoiler alert but it's like i don't understand my guess is that she was probably confident that she would be able to get to peridia without the map uh that she would figure out a way to do it and she knows that ahsoka wouldn't even know what peridia is unless she actually had that map so she might have just reasoned because she talks later on in the episode about how fate has guided our next steps etc etc and so maybe she just believes that hard maybe it's a contrast to ahsoka you know who clearly doesn't believe in very much of anything spiritually anymore she doesn't really have that sort of you know faith in the force faith and fate fate and destiny that morgan has or maybe i'm just reading too much into the show it's entirely possible speaking of reading too much into the show you want to know what i noticed in this sequence (laughs) oh god what so they get onto the the ship, right? They're on the ship and they're having a conversation as they're flying away. I don't know if you included this in this section or the next section. Uh, yeah, I think it's in this section. I'm, okay, they're a, on. I a, think they get like a call and then it's, yeah, they get okay, like a call. Go. Yeah, they're having a conversation prior to the call. And yes, I, I I've watched this scene a couple of times. I couldn't really pay attention to the conversation that was happening the first time. I had to go back and watch it again because I started noticing the water droplets on the window. When you leave atmosphere, the moisture like on the air will condense on your windshield like that. And they actually included that detail. And you can see a lot of water when they're in the clouds and when they're leaving atmosphere and it slowly fades away as they get higher and higher up. That's cool. You can actually see that on the window. I didn't notice it, but that's interesting. I'll have to go back and look at that. That's a really interesting detail that you don't notice until someone points it out to you. 
But then I went back and rewound it because I did want to pay attention to the scene. And what's interesting about the scene is we're already sort of seeing the conflict between the idea of Ahsoka being a Jedi and Hu Yang, you know, the idea of Ahsoka being a Jedi and the idea of Ahsoka being sort of this Ronin is that the conflict here is that Hu Yang is following his programming, which is to do things the Jedi way. And Ahsoka is like, we're not we're not Jedi. The Jedi don't exist. We're going to do things my way because my way works. And Hu Yang's like, but I am following those procedures. So it's it's kind of a representation of that, where Ahsoka's at as a character, her whole I am no Jedi, you know, all of that that she does, that is represented really well in the scene, in the conflict between the more traditional Hu Yang and the more radical Ahsoka. Also, I would dearly love to know what Morgan what Ahsoka did to get the information out of Morgan. That's true, because I guess we don't know from the time from Mandalorian season two to now, we don't know like her handing over Morgan to the New Republic, like what she did to do that. Or maybe she interrogated her before she She oh, she interrogated her. She definitely interrogated her. Like, I don't know how she managed to to get that information. She says it was a very un Jedi way to do it and i'm like mm. i kind of want to see her do the kylo ren force your mind to tell me what i want well, to know so fun like... fact the jedi do that in the clone wars oh there is an episode where they actually have to do that that couple of them get together and they like break one of the separatist leaders break into one of his minds to like get information out of him yeah i kind of want to see that i don't know it's just very interesting to me that ahsoka says this I was like, what did you do to her? Because <laughs> her hair is also white now. I don't think it was oh. white in The Mandalorian. Morgan's hair is white like now. it was like gray or something, but you're right. Yeah, it's like white, grayish white. Section three, Ahsoka and Huyang approach the New Republic fleet where she is reunited with General Hera Syndulla. She is debriefed on Morgan's escape and Hera has an idea who could help Ahsoka unlock the star map. So who, what other, what new actors do we have in this scene, Bradley? The sequence. Thankfully, I only had one this scene. <laughs> you only had one. Who is it? It is a little lady known as Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. She is definitely known for the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She's also in 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, Birds of Prey, which is a terrible DC movie that uh, we may have seen, but she was good in it. And then also not a Disney trifecta, but she was in a very well-known disney film when i was a child called sky high where she played the villain um which was amazing and they should definitely reboot that that all being said she's also married to one obi-wan kenobi in real life <laughs> they met on the set of birds of prey and no, got really? married mm-hmm. that's crazy i did not know that part she also uh has played one of my The historical figures I find the most interesting, which is in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Mary Elizabeth Winstead has played Mary Todd Lincoln. Fitting. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's very interesting wife. (laughs) Uh, She was a lot. Yeah, which I've read the book as a history. So I grew up in Springfield, Illinois, and I know a lot about Lincoln. I'm in the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum like I'm I'm all about some Lincoln. I did actually read Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and I did actually really quite like it, but I haven't seen the movie. That is in fact Home One. Oh. Very famous uh Republic uh, not Republic, very famous rebel ship, Home One. Admiral Akbar's ship from Return of the Jedi. You you, you know Home yeah. One. You've seen Home and One. And he what what's he doing right now? What is he's chilling? 
Akbar, I think he's retired. He's at home. He's, he's at home chilling. Home. Okay. He's I at like home chilling. I like that for him. I find it interesting the amount of damage that was done to the Vesper because my note says they did that in a shuttle. Right. Like, so I'm assuming that happened when they escaped. When they escaped. Okay. Because they clearly turned it. around yeah, and yeah. bombed the hell out of the ship in right. a shuttle. Sure. Okay. I'll believe it. Ahsoka meets up with Hera. They're walking away. And I just want to note, again, on the subject of aliens, I love the random Mon Calamari with a beard. Dude just has like a white little beard Which, under his chin. I, I don't know if this is the right phrasing. Uh, anatomically makes zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> How does he have hair? I don't How understand. How does he have hair to have a beard? He is a fish. Or if he has hair, it would definitely not be like that style of hair like it would be a kind of like i don't even know how to explain what it would be but it because it doesn't what well, because it's a fucking stupid fake thing but i don't understand it's bacon in space to quote harrison ford right there you go so hair on a lobster love it you know what give me more he is a goldfish hair. sir they are goldfish why do they have lobster claw hands then don't ask stupid questions Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> i love it also Hera Sandula first visual appearance yes. in live action. Not met, she was mentioned in Rogue One, but this is her first live action appearance. She's come close. Uh, in Star Wars Squadron, she appears rendered in oh. a more realistic style, voiced again by Vanessa Marshall. Oh, okay. Uh, but this is the first live action appearance of General Hera Sandula, and that general will be important. Right later on in the story. But yes, first live action appearance of General Hera Sandula. I do want to ask your opinion. So I love have, giving my opinion. So we started with essentially, I think Mandalorian three was our first rebels live action variants. Oh, well, no, I guess chopper, but I don't count that. It's whatever in rogue one for like half a second, but uh, yeah, it was chopper and the ghost. I'm trying to think if, if anything from rebels popped up Mando season two had Bo-Katan. That's true, but I don't count her as Rebels. I count her as Clone Wars. Clone Wars. So, you know what I mean? I count her as Clone so, Wars. So, okay, so in the terms of Rebels, we liked Zeb showing up in Mandalorian 3. Spoiler alert for some reason if you haven't seen Mandalorian <laughs> by now. This is our first Rebels character, essentially, this season. How do you feel about the translation from cartoon to live action? Did you like the way she looked? Did you Would you improve on it? What would you change? I think they did a pretty good job. I think that there's something to be said, like, one for visually being close. I think of it versus more of terms in authenticity. Like we talk about like historical authenticity versus historical accuracy. Right. And what that essentially means, and I promise this is going to return back to the rebels designs of the characters. But when we talk about, when we're talking about adapting a piece of history for media, we talk about historical authenticity, meaning that it feels like something that could have happened. It feels right that they got the details right, that they don't have turkeys running around in 1400 Spain, things like that. Whereas you sort of accept that changes are going to have to be made in order to translate it to a different medium. Like if I'm reading a history book and then I go to watch a movie, it's, it's going to be different because it has to be satisfying. It has to work. Right. And I think in terms of translating characters from animated to live action, I think the same thing applies. That you can invoke the live action character, or you can invoke the animated character in live action without necessarily one-to-one -one being a perfect Ahsoka, perfect representation of this. I thought that she was fine in Mando season two, and people were mad because her 
Montrose were different lengths sure. and it wasn't quite the same as it was. And I'm like, it's not going to be the same as it was. So when I look at Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Hera, I go, yeah, that's Hera. And that's basically all I need to do. The only exception is Chopper. He is exactly the same and he yep. should be exactly the same. He sure. should not change whatsoever. He is perfect. And every, every appearance he has in the show is a plus, but that's, that's my take on it is yeah. they do a good enough job of invoking the characters and even the ones that are played by the same actor, they've changed a little bit. Now I do like that. They changed Bo-Katan's wig to be more sure. in line. Some things I'm like, yeah, I like that a little bit more, but for the most part, I, I look at these characters. I'm like, you did a pretty good job of translating, you know, the, the same vibe of the character over. Yeah, I thought she was fine. I I don't know why. I thought I saw some people were complaining about her, and I was like, I, I think she's good. I I don't know what it is like. You wanted to improve on her that you could. I mean, she's literally just a, a woman. Like I don't know what else you want. She is a like, she is a green woman. What what what? Yeah, what else what can you change? Details do you people want? I also think, and I'm going to throw this in there too. I also think that to complain about the visual appearance of an actor how their design how the production design is designing them also loses the work that the actor's doing like rosario dawson is playing ahsoka mary elizabeth winstead is playing hera actors that will show up later in this episode or later on are clearly playing the same characters and some of that is translated through in how the actor is making choices with these characters there's a great scene with hera later on where she's talking to ahsoka and she's in the hologram and that's so hera like the way that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing this character is very in line with the character. And I think that that's the important thing to me. Sure. I mean, my only thing about, I think it's just, I have a problem with Twilight characters in general is their little um, Montrails that they have. The Leku. The Leku. They don't have Montrails, but they um, have Leku. The Leku. They don't, feel heavy enough to me i don't know what it is that they've done in recent star wars but it's something about it like i just need them to have a weight in them like they probably don't want them weighing down in the actor's heads for I hours know, and hours i know it's end. a practical thing i just visually like i need to see it it's i mean it's literally a part of their body like it's obviously not a costume like it's supposed to be i need to believe that that's coming out of their fucking head so i think sometimes when i see the foam like bounce against their back or something and like it doesn't like hit right or something i'm always like that's a headpiece like it's not a part of their body so that's my old like guys again that is a nitpick i do that not actually care pick. i'm just being like critical for the sake of being critical i don't actually care like it doesn't change my viewing of Hera. like i thought she was fucking fantastic i just that's those are tiny 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 little nitpicks i just want on the record for the sake of you know when we die i want the internet to remember forever that i just had a problem with leku okay that's the only thing moving on from that <laughs> they have their meeting in the briefing room from return of the jedi it's the same room Famously, the way the Mon Mothma scene in Return of the Jedi happened. But yeah, that's the same room, which I thought was pretty cool. The lightsaber move of having Hu Yang analyze the lightsabers was fucking brilliant. Love that. That, of course, he has a database of every lightsaber he helped make, which he said, and now they're going to use it to identify this mysterious Jedi. Great use of something you've already set up in your world. It's my turn for a nitpick. <laughs> okay, great. It's my turn. Because they say this map could potentially lead us to, quote, the last missing Grand Admiral, end quote. Be fucking for real. Where is Rey Sloan? Because she's a Grand Admiral and you don't know where she is. So Thrawn is not the, mo the last missing Grand Admiral. 
Ray Sloan is also missing because this is post Battle of Jakku. So where's she? Why aren't you looking for her? Did you forget she existed? I, I think we have a case of we forgot she existed. <laughs> because Ray Sloan's kind of an important character in the mythos, guys. Where's she? Why aren't you looking for her? You could argue that she was Grand Admiral after the death of the Emperor. And so they're talking about original Imperial Grand Admirals, like the Emperor's 12 Grand Admirals. I think that's bullshit. I think they just forgot Ray Sloan existed. It's a technicality, for sure. Because it's like, oh, well, these were the ones that were on record as being Grand Admirals, I guess. I, I guess. I don't know. Any, anyway. Also, it's um, probably just sexism in space, honestly. It Let's probably is. Let's it, be realistic. It really is. That's they the only care about here. Thrawn because he's a man. <laughs> he's a man. Right. He's a man. <laughs> Christ. Put some fucking respect on Raceland's name. Like, come on, guys. Seriously. There is one more actor in this scene that I want to bring up, Bradley. Gosh. Uh, you didn't mention him, but I'm going to I'm going to throw him in there. Confirmed on Twitter, the and also confirmed in the credits of the episode. It's just I didn't notice until he said so on Twitter. The comms officer who tells General Sindula that the Defense Council wants a briefing. That voice is David W. Collins. You'll remember David W. Collins as the sound designer on all fucking Star Wars. <laughs> uh, that is not Ben Burt. He is sound designer, uh, supervising sound editor, big at Lucasfilm. Big, big, big. He's been on basically fucking everything that they've done recently. He's been doing it as far back as the Revenge of the Sith video game, uh, Republic Commando. Actually, further back than that. He's been working with Lucas, Lucas Arts in some capacity since 2000 and Star Wars since 2001. So... I'll always shout out David W. Collins when I see him getting a cameo because that guy rules. Section four. We start with a celebration on La Fall in the capital city. Special guest Sabine Wren is nowhere to be found. She is discovered on her speeder bike by two new Republic officers. She evades the officers and she heads home to feed her cat. And then she listens to an old recording of Ezra Bridger. We're on Lethal now, which I is know, cool. What new actors do we have in this scene, Bradley? We have a few. We have a few new and a few old slash returning slash cameo slash not really a cameo, just reprising their role. Anyway, let's start with the obvious one, which is Clancy Brown as Ryder Azadi. Everyone may or may not know his name. But if you don't, that's fine. Uh, he's reprising his character, Ryder Azadi from Star Wars Rebels, uh, this time obviously in live action, which is a love, I love, 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 love whenever they do. Here's the character in cartoon. Here's the character in live action. He just basically looks the same. So here you go. Let's just um, cast him. Let's just cast him. Clancy I Brown also prolifically 328 acting credits and we have covered him before when we covered all the way back in our early episodes damn near fuck me damn near three years ago when yeah. we did the mandalorian season one uh because he's also in that uh this man's in fucking everything i think most people would know him as the voice of mr krabs from spongebob i think that's a very prolific thing that he's been in but i just thought you know have to always mention that one also is he the first person i don't know he's he's played so many different star wars characters so i'm wondering if like has he played the most different star wars characters in terms of like i don't know i guess it can't count like people who do voice acting and like yeah there's a lot of wars. additional voices going on 
Okay, maybe. Okay, this is what I should say. He's done a lot of different actor I, or different think, Star Wars characters in different mediums. I guess that's. I a better think D. Bradley Baker might have the record for voicing the most different Star Wars characters that are distinct. Okay. I guess because I'm just thinking he voices like every single one of the clones. Right, but that's only in like two different shows. That is so true. what I'm saying is like with Clancy, he's literally in Mandalorian, Clone Wars, Tales of the Jedi and now this so and rebels so like that's five different star wars projects so i feel like that's like a, a decent record i don't know what the actual record is but that is an excellent question i don't um, have the time to research that. i also just, don't have the time i'll leave it Lindsay up to brown the... very prolific who else is in this scene bradley senator jai kell who is played by the actor Vinny thomas pretty new-ish actor uh he was in a show called platonic uh that was on apple tv that was popular he is playing a, he's not reprising the role but he is playing the same character from rebels who was not a senator before but now is who was voiced by dante bosco in rebels and that character was uh, was jai kell and he was an imperial cadet in that, that yeah he was the force sensitive imperial cadet also this is ezra bridger's ex-boyfriend <laughs> i love that that's your head cannon uh, <laughs> sure your uh, your legitimate yes. cannon uh, my legitimate is cannon is that they briefly <laughs> dated uh go. they briefly dated in the academy like and that. it didn't work out unfortunately but this is ezra bridger's ex-boyfriend guy kill another rebels character has shown up yes we finally get Sabine, first time live action appearance, played by Natasha Liu Bordizo. She previously has been in movies such as The Greatest Showman, A Day Shift, uh, The Society on Netflix. So I'm, first of all, I want to say I love Natasha. She's probably my standout actor for this show. She's amazing. I can't wait to see more of her. But I also love the translation of Sabine from cartoon to live action because I feel like she does it so well i agree i love her in this part she's fantastic i think it's fantastic she embodies sabine so well i have a note later like like the the first scene she's in where she's riding along just the facial expressions that natasha makes are just so perfectly ahsoka yeah, of, like so perfectly sabine sorry i don't know how she did it it was amazing she just the spirit of sabine wren overtook her Anyway, you actually covered my first note, which is Jai Kell is a senator now, apparently. <laughs> so that's fun. We get to see the mural from Rebels. Uh, so that's awesome. I love that it's a literal translation. It's a literal translation. It literally, right. which is very interesting because in in Rebels it looked like accurate Already, to the designs yeah, of the characters, to, yeah. and now it just looks like <laughs> Sabine was drawing them in the Rebels it was very style. Stylistic choice, yeah. So that's neat. We also get some E wings. Uh, that's the patrol craft. E-Wings making their uh, canon debut, but they did first appear in Dark Empire, the comic book series. So this is a nod to that. Uh, actually, no, I have to correct myself. This is the thing Charles fucked up because I looked at it. E-Wings did first appear in Poe Dameron number 23, but this is their first visual depiction. And they also appeared in the Freemaker Adventure. So this is the first visual canonical depiction of an E-Wing. Uh, but they first originated in the Dark Empire comics. You might remember those as the original Somehow Palpatine Returned. Oh, shit. Sorry, one quick mention. Captain Porter, the guy who's driving the E-Wing, or flying the E-Wing, yes. uh, and talks to Sabine, was played by Matthew Law, 
who has appeared in Agents of Shield uh, as Agent Julian uh, for four episodes. Sorry, <laughs> thank you, gotta Bradley. Mention, gotta gotta be consistent. If we're gonna be consistent, gotta be, gotta consistent. be consistent. Look, we got a running bit. We're gonna we're gonna keep the bit consistent. Of course, there actually technically is one more actor. We're not gonna talk about him now, but I feel like we have to mention him because it's his first appearance. So. Ezra Bridger uh, is here. We are not talking right. about him yet for exactly. reasons you will know if you have watched the show. <laughs> right. Because this is a nice recap show that we're doing now, we can wait to talk about him. If this was happening yes. as we were going, we would have to talk about him now. Thankfully, we don't have to. So I fucking love covering like. the live action shows after they've already <laughs> come out. Because I'm like, we did this for Mando season three and we've now done this for Ahsoka. And I'm like, damn, I like this a lot. Yeah, it just it, it makes organizing how we talk about the show so much easier because it's like well if this if we were covering this as it was coming out we wouldn't know if we were ever going to see him again theoretically because we were like oh that's it he's just a recording we're, we don't get anything else like well, uh, Imanis Vondi, who who plays Ezra, actually joked when the trailer first came out. He was like, "Yeah, you finally get to see my contribution to Ahsoka. It was this hologram, <laughs> right?" And he was gaslighting us so hard because, well, he's like, "No, we'll I'm later, but yeah, yeah." For Imanis Vondi's, first of all, that man is gorgeous. Oh, good lord! I don't know why they had to make him so sexy. I wish they actually <laughs> had not done that because. They even even us. later on when he shows up, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but yeah. he's still hot because his entire, I hate them so much. everything, everything he has tweeted or Instagrammed about the show has been flawlessly Edra Bridger. Like they nailed the casting of this show. In fact, I'm going to look right now who casted this show because casting by Sarah Finn was the casting uh, props to you, Sarah person on this show casting director for oh this would explain why she has 160 casting director credits she's best known for avengers fucking endgame everything everywhere all at once three billboards outside ebbing mississippi mississippi outside of ebbing's missouri i don't know why i said mississippi what if loki the marvels guardians of the galaxy volume three she's the casting director on 24 episodes of the mandalorian yeah kind of really good at her job just kind of really good at her <laughs> job she absolutely fucking killed it uh because as my next note says this is in fact very sabine wren this entire scene so good oh my god like when i was like, so good who's not gonna show up to their own fucking ceremony sabine wren sabine wren I and like then you go for a joyride i choose to believe that the, like rock music that's playing in the background is diegetic oh absolutely she's i choose to believe to she is actually listening to that while she's talking to the guy you cannot convince me otherwise it's fucking amazing anyway we don't have time to dwell on that scene because the best character in the show is about to show up and that is merly the lothcat i was like where are you going with this? merly the lothcat is here apparently a practical thing that was on the set I, look, yeah, I, I definitely got that. It was practical. I love it's it. It's a practical, that's a practical Lothcat. More Lothcats slash uh, <laughs> cats in Star Wars anyway. Like, let's just do more of those. Yeah, so shout out to Merly for being excellent. I, I will say this now at the top, so I don't forget, because I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia page for Merly. As the series progresses, Merly's fine. He can get out of the tower. He's okay. <laughs> she didn't leave anyone to feed him, but he's fine. He's on his own. He's a semi-wild loth cat. He's right, he's, okay. outdoor, he's an outdoor cat, so it's he, he can take care of himself. That's fine. He enjoys when Sabine feeds him. He doesn't need 
need her to. That's yes. the difference. Not like my cat who genuinely <laughs> could not function if I was not around to take care of him. I will say my, my one my one issue with the production design, uh, this is going to come up a couple of things. Most of the production design they nailed. 99.9% of the production design they nailed. The 0.1% RIP to these wigs. They're not good. <laughs> This one and another character in particular later on, some of the wigs I'm like, mmm, choices were made here. Uh, I did not like. I thought it looked weird. I thought it looked fake. I just, I didn't like it. This one, her next one, I'm not a big fan of another character who's going to come up later, but that's like my one production design critique is I, they didn't put quite as much into the wigs as as maybe they should have. I think it's also hard when they're those colors as well. Yeah. It's just, it, it automatically I was watching, is going to make like, you think it's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's something about the texture of it just yeah. struck me as off. Uh, the shots of the, the, when she's watching the hologram and you can see like all the Ezra Bridger collected helmets in the background that is very cool this is an extension of the message that closes out rebels which i'm sure bradley noticed since you watched all of rebels i did so right before he, this show came out right, he leaves a little message for the rebels crew and then i you kind of have to use logic here that he either left a secondary secret message for just sabine or this is like the rest of the message uh, this like, is hey, the rest of the message yeah, the the like, one in rebels i think is also addressed to sabine and this is just yeah. the rest of that message in which he explicitly states that he thinks of her as his sister which, which <laughs> r.i.p uh, to ezra sabine shippers sorry right, because definitely that is not the case in the show he is very explicitly in the, at least the first and second season i want to date you <laughs> like it is very explicit well he grows out of it as well, time yes, progresses i think but yes yeah the third season when he's he shaves his head or whatever that's when it's like he truly is changed from that progression yes. right there but it's so funny that they included that you know ezra ezra bridger's going through a lot you know he's he's a lot is happening to him in his journey yeah but yes he, he does leave this message anyway I do you have i do have another tiny nitpick about the okay nitpick away i think he's too old so he looks weirdly old in this hologram yeah. and i think it's they didn't bother to really de-age him on at all I because and i feel because like you don't insane. notice it if you're watching if you're not watching on like a big like big screen tv but i did notice it yeah i did say that was a little weird i was when i first watched the scene i was like why did they cast him if he's just going to be in this hologram right. and he's clearly too 10 years older too old than than the character in the right. show who's like fucking 16 or whatever yeah. when he disappears then we found out later why they cast him but they clearly no, just course. didn't bother to de-age him all the de-aging budget went to a different character i was gonna i was just about <laughs> later to say, on I in the series they shuffled the budget somewhere else they figured you know what it's not that important it's just a recording um let's focus our efforts somewhere else however i'm gonna be a nitpicker and say uh, be a nitpicker again does not change how i watch the episode other than just me being a nerd and me being pedantic. It has nothing else to do with the episode. It does not affect the story in any way, shape, or form. I I was reading notes. I was reading editorial notes from someone the other day, and they, they wrote an entire paragraph about one word that I used. And they were going back and forth on whether they liked it, it, this word or not. And at the end of the, the paragraph, they were like, oh my God, I'm turning into a line editor. I feel like that's <laughs> been your journey over the course of making this podcast is you've gradually become more aware of these details in the Star Wars. It's really bad. 
I need to start in just enjoying things. I need to quit the industry so that I can just enjoy TV instead of picking it apart like a fucking nerd slash picking it apart like a fucking production person. Because I that's the problem. That's that's it. the problem with this show. That's that was a whole angle that we came into the show with is you view things like a person who works in production. I view things like a writer. It's crazy. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I know that they had to take two days to film that scene or like, or oh, I know that that costs a lot of money or extra money to do. And da, da, da. like, I hate thinking like that because it, it it really does affect me when I watch this stuff, especially if like I'm watching things with my roommate and he'll say something. And especially if we're watching reality TV, I'll be like, yeah, like they actually said that. No, the producer definitely told them to say that. That's so totally fake. There's no way that's real. Did that. Like, I have that brain and where I just like instantly put, call out that stuff because I know better. And it's really bad because I can't enjoy the thing I'm watching sometimes because I'm just like, shit. I mean, I've I've been ruined for that by one of our college professors teaching us at length basically how to get actors to break on camera, which that was certainly a course that we took. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've always watched these things now and I'm like, oh, that is super. I, I cannot watch RuPaul's Drag Race the same way as my boyfriend can because I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh yeah, they cut this a certain way. They cut that a certain way. Like clearly this is structured a certain way. Yeah, I do that too. I'm always like, oh, well, obviously they're doing this storyline. So that means that person's going home this week because- Some producer wrote this. Right, exactly. <laughs> Some producer decided that they needed to, to do this. It, yeah. Anyway, next next scene. Section 5. In the blown up ruins, Morgan, Elspeth, and Evil Incorporated find that the star map has been taken by Ahsoka. <laughs> she <sighs> then sends Shin to Lothal to retrieve the map. Back on Lothal, Sabine meets with Ahsoka where she explains how to find Ezra. Hu Yang figures out who one of the Jedi is by his lightsaber, and Sabine takes the star map home to decode in peace. A probe droid reports Sabine's location to Shin, who has arrived on the fall. Yes, yeah, so do we don't have any new actors in this scene. No, thank God. We can just talk. Great, about we it. can just go straight into <laughs> it. We finally get the explicit confirmation that Morgan Elspeth is from Dathomir. Uh, she's one of the Night Sisters of Dathomir, which we speculated back in Ahsoka based on some context clues, but now we know that she is. I do wonder if this is a case if she was always planned to be this way or whether or not Dave Filoni just really liked the fan theory that she was from Dathomir. Either way, nice sisters of Dathomir. I do want to point something out, and I skipped the note, but I do want to point out now that we know that this ruin is by the Night Sisters of Dathomir. And that is, if you look closely in the scene where Ahsoka's like messing with the mechanism, you can actually see that the figures on the wall were originally painted red, and oh. the red paint has chipped away, and there's a little bit of it left. It's not noticeable unless you're really looking for it, but you can actually see where the they were originally depictions of the witches of Dathomir. Like yeah. That. So now we know this was a temple built by the Night Sisters. And I love that they made her a Night Sister. Or, well, her ancestors night sisters or something or she's just from death mirror i don't really you know i'm still confused about how that whole lineage works with how they all are supposed to be like i don't know how any of that works and i've googled it multiple times and i still don't know i don't fucking know she refuses to answer the question of whether or not she's a witch she just said she's a survivor i thought you were about to say uh the survivor line is interesting because she's referencing jedi survivor and she's referencing the character that's supposed to be a night sister or whatever in one of those videos no <laughs> so, um, Marin would beat Morgan Elspeth's ass. 
If if Merit ever encountered Morgan Elspeth, she would beat the shit out of her. And I would support her in doing that. She would be right to do that. I always make this mistake of assuming every single person from the video game survives. But is that character alive? Uh, we have no idea. Uh, third good, game great. coming in a couple of years and Love that. should answer whether or not what happened to Cal and Marin and Grease and uh, the other characters. So there's a chance she shows up in our path show. Got it. Love it. There is a chance that if they ever did the path show, it would be awesome to get uh, Marin and Cal in it. All uh, of mostly because I I just want to see more of Cameron Monaghan. I just think he's well, so hot. But of course. Anyway, I do find it interesting the the color design of Shen and Balin uh, because Shen's wearing more like Jedi colors. Like when she's standing next to Balin, she's wearing more browns, and Balin's wearing more blacks. I just thoughts that are really interesting. So I I feel like I need to mention this only because it happens for a split second and it caused plenty of discourse over the season. There's an introduction of another new character. Oh yes, him. And I feel like this is the time we need to talk about the Merrick problem. <sighs> who is who is Maruk? We don't know. <laughs> we don't fucking know. He's randomly no in this actor scene. listed. He's this random thing here. We have Well, there is an actor kind of. He's played <laughs> he's played by Paul Darnell, which is the guy who is inside the suit being him. He right. is a stunt performer. Uh he has been in such things as Jurassic World, Matrix Resurrections, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's been previously in The Mandalorian, and he has also been in the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn's Part 1 and 2. So again, don't know But he why is he's a here. but he is a stunt performer and he is Right, right. I I I think he might voice the character later. Yes, uh, he voices he voices the character in a later episode. So this guy is played by Paul Darnell. Oh, okay. So I got issues with that. Now, thankfully, we're not watching this as it's coming out because then we would be like the little dweebs on Twitter who were like, that's clearly Ezra. This is Ezra. Also, this is Ezra. Obviously, this is Ezra. Uh, listeners, listeners, <laughs> I'm going to shock you with my next sentence. Bradley and I are friends, and we do talk about this stuff outside of the show. And when I tell you that our text conversations were a fucking bloodbath, <laughs> for the first two weeks when the show was coming out trying to figure out who the fuck this guy was and what his deal was because he's just kind of randomly here right. and he's identified as an inquisitor and i like i thought he was the eighth brother if you listen to our episode zero last week you'll know all of our crackpot theories about who the this guy actually was um but yeah those theories come true he's here he's just here <laughs> he's just randomly here yeah and it's weird because like okay if you go on the star wars website before the show aired they had a description for him and everything and they were talking about how he's like an old inquisitor or whatever blah blah blah. in this particular scene if you're just taking the show at face value you're not looking at any other outside information you just see this random guy walk up and he just looks like a dude and then he turns his back and you can see the inquisitor lightsaber on his back and you're like hold up who the fuck is this guy what and is they happening don't talk here? about him like they really don't no he's never introduced he's like never introduced nobody... they never mentioned that he's, he's even just there in the scene <laughs> he's just there <laughs> crazy we will get to him in the next couple of episodes i, I think, wonder who he'll end up being it's so i strange. wonder who he'll end up being <laughs> there is a mask we wonder who's under the mask right. uh we move on 
Hopefully we find out. We get a scene of Sabine, like, having forced dreams or whatever. I do need to sort of correct myself a little bit. Uh, I brought up the helmets in the background earlier. I had actually misread a note that I, I had written down. I meant to make reference to when she kind of bends down under the table and we get a shot of her Mandalorian helmet that's uh. kind of in storage and she clearly hasn't used. There are just a, two cool helmet shots. That one's one of them. This one, when she's asleep, was the moment where I noticed there's like a pile of Stormtrooper and Scout Trooper helmets in the corner from Ezra, which is cool. We get a repeat, kind of, of a shot from Rebels of them escorting Ahsoka's ship. Pause. I forgot to mention earlier, and I'm going to mention now, Ezra's, uh, not Ezra's ship, Ahsoka's ship rules. It's very cool. I love it a lot. I desperately want to get the Lego for it. It has no real name. It's T6-1974 is the name of the ship. I want to check something really fast. Like, does 74 have a significance anywhere? That's that's what I'm looking up. No, I had thought that it might be a reference to the year 1974, but... I mean, my it, only thing I could find is that Dave Filoni was born in 1974. That probably is what it is. <laughs> that's literally the it's only almost thing certainly. online that I could I was, find. I was thinking too hard. I was thinking, like, did they start filming Star Wars in 1974? No, right. T61974 is the designation of... Of the ship it is a t6 shuttle and looking at it we have seen these shuttles before in tales of the jedi clone wars in one episode of rebels right at the end of rebels well, well cool. some comics and stuff uh so just shout out to this ship hu yang mentions being 75 percent original parts which considering he is thousands of years old is very impressive <laughs> and that's why he's so proud of it so good on him they go inside the ship one thing that ahsoka does really well i've talked i've talked a lot about visual storytelling on the show the idea of put your fucking phone down honey you have to watch the show with your eyeballs otherwise you're gonna miss things because it's not a radio drama they're not gonna explain with dialogue everything you need to know so the shot of a sabine bending down and touching where she's clearly doodled communicates to us that she's lived on the ship before and it's it as i mentioned before it may be a little bit too subtle and may go into this problem of you know really understand what's going on in the episode until you watch several episodes later but i also do think one thing that is cool is that this show is not afraid to be like you have to watch with your eyeballs and comprehend the things that you're seeing on the screen so true i mean i will say the only way i could remedy this and to make it a little more literal for people is i and i don't want to do this because i feel like she already got too much time but give ahsoka another tales of the jedi episode but it make it about her time with sabine that is the only ahsoka content for tales of the jedi that i will accept at this point i I badly want them to move the fuck on from ahsoka Uh, uh, exactly uh except for this i would love to see this well then i guess we could we could we could argue though that it's sabine's episode that's what we'll we'll say it's we will we will yes and we will kind of argue that this is sabine's episode or at least i will towards the end of the episode the planet that ahsoka got the map from is apparently named arcana arcana kind of sounds like arcane sort of an older 
generally magical in nature it's it's invo it's evoking that uh but the planet is named arcana this is the only time we've ever seen it this is the only time we ever will see it so yay hadn't turned up in anything yet as of recording this i like when ahsoka says i go where i'm needed which is very jedi while not being jedi of her <laughs> right but let's talk about what's happening in this scene between ahsoka and sabine because this scene sets up the principal problem in the dynamic between them is that Ahsoka does not trust Sabine and she also does not trust herself. But more importantly in this scene, she does not necessarily trust Sabine. She's not trusting in general. And Sabine's reaction to feeling like she's not being trusted, which you could argue Ahsoka doesn't trust Sabine. You could argue it's Ahsoka doesn't trust herself with Sabine. Whatever the thing is, Ahsoka, Sabine's response is going to be to rebel, to question, to be like, why can't I take the thing off the ship? And so I think that's really interesting to set that dynamic up now, given what's a conversation that's going to happen in episode eight of saying uh, Sabine feels like Ahsoka doesn't trust her, which is really the important thing in this scene. When I realized that, it made me appreciate the scene a lot more. And like you said, I think if they had just done more with that, I, I don't know what else they could have done other than to be like, we need more context to their relationship other than just uh, assuming things happen. Like, I need them to just I, just, I know we have to show don't tell, but like, I feel like I just need a little tiny, tiny bit more tell <laughs> in this in this show. Just a little bit. I just need, I don't know if it would have been helpful to do flashbacks, but I, I feel like that's just an easy way to do a, a show don't tell in a way um is to do a flashback so maybe that would have served better to be like like she could have touched the drawing and then like like we could have gotten a tiny little scene where she was training her and then like she was getting frustrated with sabine because you know she doesn't know how to have patience with a child i guess i don't know what whatever the case may be i they just i just need a tiny little bit more telling of that relationship but you're right i mean we are getting those hints in this dialogue it's just not blatant enough right and that's my chief problem with with some of the way that this relationship is written is looking back on it looking at the broad series arc and i remarked to a lot of people yourself included i i, I remarked that i'm kind of glad we're not covering the show because i sort of want to see where it's going and now that i see where it's going i'm like i can appreciate where it went it maybe was a little bit too subtle for me uh like i think that's why people miss things Anyway, probe droid. Anyway, probe droid. Anyway, probe droid. That's my segue. Wait, sorry, sorry. Before the probe droid, I have to mention one tiny little okay. thing about Ahsoka's ship. Why the fuck is her dining room table on the floor? And then it rises up out of the floor because they cut to a shot real quick where you see her cup, Sabine's cup on the ground because the table went down on the floor. That means people are walking with their nasty ass shoes on Ahsoka's table all the time. That's disgusting. Because it's Ahsoka. only Ahsoka and Hu Yang walking around on Ahsoka's nasty ass table. That's disgusting, Ahsoka. Clean your goddamn table floor. Maybe because it looks cool. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to point that out. It was fucking stupid. Okay. Uh, now then, we can talk about the probe droid. Well, I think the Jedi scene is that, right? The lightsaber scene is before that? I didn't have any notes for the lightsaber scene. Hu Yang correctly identifies one of the people right. as Balin Skull, a Jedi who we've never heard of before, <laughs> right. who disappeared at the end of the Clone Wars. But you know what? There were 10,000 Jedi. We cannot possibly know every single one of them. Okay, now we can talk about it. Side note, uh, there's a gentleman named Jake Bartok who does a lot of various illustrations and very cool illustrations for Star Wars. Uh, he has been doing a series of mock-up comic covers for a hypothetical Balin Skull Shin Hati miniseries. Uh, if you're not following Jake Bartok on Twitter, you should be doing that or fucking X or whatever the fuck it's called now. Uh, you should be doing that because he it's called Twitter. It's called Twitter. 
It's called yeah. Twitter. No one in their right mind fucking calls it the other thing. That's true. No one in their right mind calls it the other thing. <laughs> Plenty of people do, but they are not people I want to have a conversation with. Now we will talk about the probe droid being very, very Darth Maul from The Phantom Menace. I instantly was like, why is Shin the new Darth Maul? Like, she is Darth. Like, she is that character. She is so hyped. Everybody loves her so much. And then she's got her own little probe droid and everything. It's great. I love it. I love it. My final note for this section is Sabine so sabine enters the thing like the her her little apartment thing and puts the ball down and the cat immediately tries to bat it <laughs> that was so funny and i'm like yeah of course the cat wants to play with the ball as a cat owner if you put a thing that looks like a ball in front of a cat it's going to want to whack it off the table right i was like i was expecting the cat to knock it off the table and her to be like oh shit like <laughs> section six ahsoka is worried about ren but calls Sundula and she tells her to give her some space back at home sabine unlocks the star map and suddenly she is attacked by assassin droids sabine calls for backup and grabs her lightsaber she is confronted by shin they duel but shin stabs sabine in the abdomen before ahsoka can get to her shin runs off and sabine collapses cut to black so Hera really is sort of the mom friend of the group. <laughs> she, she is the mom of the group. This is very, this is very, they're having basically a parent-teacher conference. It's almost like in this scene. I, I want to say they're almost like lesbian moms because they're like, you have like divorced lesbian moms because like Ahsoka's like, I had her for a little bit and then now you have her for a little bit and like we're both her mom, like in a, in a sense. So it's just interesting. <laughs> I, I almost read them like... Not like they were in a relationship with each other, but like, yeah, that they shared some sort of custody of they this kid. They share custody of her, yeah. Like, like, they have like this sort of like ants getting together to gossip about, try to work out how to deal with this kid kind of thing. That's true. I also saw it as more as like maybe a PTA conference, like a parent-teacher conference. Where Hera's like, you just need to, you need to let her do her thing. Hera correctly points out that she's a Mandalorian, which shout out. I am so mad that Sabine did not make her debut in the Mandalorian show. I know. There's no reference. Bo-Katan would be so amazing. You're telling me, you're telling me that they reclaimed Mandalore and no one thought to send a text message to Sabine about it. I wonder... And we'll if find out later there's there's kind of a reason for this, but it does feel like an author's saving throw of why she wasn't ever mentioned in The Mandalorian. Yeah, because you, you kind of would think that, like, also it would be world news, right? Or galaxy-wide news that, like... It is! They will reference it later. Oh, they do? Okay, well then... See... They will reference it later in the show that mandalore has been retaken and it's like you'd think like she'd be on the first ship out there like to be like oh i need to go fucking see what this is about there's a reason why she's not i think and we'll get to that in episode i think three three or episode four i think it might be episode four okay that we're going to get that stay tuned we will maybe explain why sabine feels more connected to the thal than to mandalore I like the moment where Hera says, like, I'm sure you gave your master grief at times. And Ahsoka just turns around and we don't see her face. But Mary Elizabeth Winstead is such a good actor that we see Hera's face, like, <laughs> fall at Ahsoka's expression. I love that blocking choice. I love that, like, acting choice. It's just real fucking good. It's real fucking good. Uh, the director of this episode has clearly gotten better at working in the live action space. I'm not going to say who the director of this episode is yet because we'll talk about him later on. But I did like that. I like that scene a lot. 
I also like Ahsoka's line, even sometimes even the right reasons have the wrong consequences. Ooh, I love that line. Anyway, we have an extended scene where Sabine figures out the thing, which I only just am now realizing was supposed to mirror the Ahsoka figuring out the thing scene at the beginning of the episode. Oh, I guess I didn't catch that, but I guess if you once we if we break down the name of the episode, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, we started with Ahsoka figuring out a puzzle, and we ended with Sabine figuring out a puzzle, and only with the two working together were we able to get the map. I guess that's true. Sabine notes the three figures. Remember the the Trinity and the three interlocking kind of shapes and all of that. Again, big theme here. This was the point where I noted something about Sabine that I'm going to bring up in my final thoughts, but I just want to address, this is the point where I noticed it. I went, oh, that's why this episode feels weird to me. Anyway, they they have a fight. There's a lightsaber fight. What do you think of this lightsaber fight, Bradley? I liked how rough and like, not chaotic, but like, just like very like, I don't know how to explain it. Like how Sabine fights in a way that is not structured. Like uh, all other lightsaber fights feel like it's very choreographed and like, oh, like this lightsaber goes here, that lightsaber goes there. When Sabine fights, she genuinely feels like she is just like rough and tough, like fighting. Like she's just like any opportunity to swing. Like she's just going, throwing her whole body into the swing. Like she's just being very like loose and rough with it like there's no like rhyme or reason why she's doing anything and that's kind of like an interesting take with like shin who clearly was taught by balin like okay here's the proper stance here's the whatever and she kind of also has like a more like traditional kind of uh lightsaber fight about her even though she's kind of more like i know i'm better than you kind of attitude about it i don't know it's just an interesting fight i love their dynamic together I also love their dynamic just generally like throughout the season. I I just absolutely love this whole enemies thing that they have like rivalry thing that they yeah, have going sure. on. Also a lot of people ship these characters together. I A lot of people ship these know, characters together. I know they do because they're Which you know what? <laughs> I've been reading I've been reading so many enemies to lovers novels these days like it's possible. An absurd amount of them. And I see it. It can happen. It. No, it's very, it's very Ray and Kylo in The Force Awakens to me, where it's very sort of raw and it's it's not well like it's clearly choreographed, but it's not choreographed in such a way that they're like flipping over each other and doing these insane moves. They're just two people armed with lightsabers who are beating each other. Yeah, I love it. And I love that. Sabine does get stabbed. Uh, yeah, obviously she could survive that. Like, it's cauterized. It doesn't appear to have hit any vital organs. That is absolutely... A lot of people were mad that she survived this stab wound. I was like, what did you think was going to happen? She's the main character of the show. She's literally the second build person on this show. What do you? What the fuck do you think was going to happen? <laughs> it's like, in, it, if it doesn't... If it doesn't puncture a vital organ and it cauterizes the wound immediately, then yeah, obviously she's going to be able to survive that, provided she gets immediate medical care, which she clearly got, too. It's right. like, she wasn't, like, sitting out in the field for days. Or, yeah, even even waiting. even minutes. They even literally minutes, get her. They literally get her second, immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so obviously she could survive that. That's, the discourse is stupid. Discourse is always stupid. No, I think it, if anything, it would have made, it makes more sense that she survived the way that they shot it, the way that she was stabbed, everything. I believe it more. If you had done it where like it was in the chest or it's like clearly in her heart, 
then yeah, sure. I'd be like, this is bullshit. But they stabbed her in yeah. like an area right where there's the not a whole lot. Yeah, it's and like it's not like even like Qui Gon where they clearly rupture, like it clearly ruptured stuff right. in his lower abdominal area. Sure. Like anyway, <sighs> anatomy, whatever. People, people are just still mad about all of the stabbing in Obi Wan Kenobi, which also 100 percent could have worked. Uh, they're just mad about that, and they're continuing to complain because that's what they do. I think it all started from Darth Maul getting cut in half and then surviving. I think that's where that is where it all started. <laughs> was Darth Maul getting cut in half and then coming back for some fucking reason? Somehow he returned. Somehow Darth Maul returned. Nobody <laughs> actually. People were kind of mad about that, but I know. anyway, uh, the episode is dedicated to Ray Stevenson, uh, who we mentioned at the top of the episode and tragically passed uh, after its filming. So this credit sequence. Very Game of Thrones to me. It was the most Game of Thrones HBO credit sequence I've ever seen in the history of HBO credit sequences. I was like, it even sounded like Game of Thrones. Like the Ahsoka theme sounds so good. It's like very. Oh, the Ahsoka theme is great. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very medieval. Like it just sounds like very like, I, I, I can't explain it. I, I love this credit sequence. I love that we're not doing the concept art again. I do too. Because I think I that's love that we're doing something different. Thing. Like, let yeah. them have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it's neat. I think that what they do with the different planets, because they showed us like a lot of the different planets that we'll be on, uh, and then a few extras over the course of the series. Like, it's very cool. It's very cool. I liked it a lot. All right, Bradley, I'll I'll let you go first on your final thought, but I have mine. No, uh, you, you, don't want, you don't want to say who directed the episode? Who written? Oh, oh, fuck! Do we do that? Do I we still we do to. that? I forgot how to do TV episodes. Who directed and who wrote this episode, Bradley? This episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni. Because of course it fucking was. I mean, of course. Who you didn't think he fucking was going to give himself the first episode, guys? Come on. Oh yeah, no, obviously. <laughs> like I'm surprised he didn't give himself the whole show. Okay, so let's be real there. Second of all, good for him. Good for you, Dave. I'm glad you got to make your little live action thing. Yep. I like it. Good for you. I thought it was very good. He did a great job. What are your final thoughts on the episode, Bradley? Final thoughts. I said it in the beginning. I don't think it stands alone on itself enough. But, however, I still feel like this was an enjoyable piece of Star Wars media. I liked the show. I think it actually does work semi-well for people who are just coming in to just watch this show. If you've never seen Mandalorian, if you've never seen Book of Boba Fett, you know, are you never seen Clone Wars or Rebels, I think it's okay. I think you can still watch this show and still find enjoyment of it. They do a decent enough job of introducing the characters without heavy-handed being like this is ahsoka tano she was born in you know da 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 bce whatever it doesn't matter they don't care about that they did a decent enough job i like all the characters they reintroduced all the rebels characters decently enough as well so that we don't have to have watched rebels and yeah i i don't know i like the color of the episode i like everything about it i thought it was just it was an enjoyable experience it's just a fun again a fun show it's like mandalorian has that essence of just being fun so structurally, I think this episode works uh, a lot more than some of the other ones. I do have one big weird thing, and I've alluded to it, and I'm going to talk about it here. So Sabine and Ahsoka are kind of co-protagonists of the show. The show is really about both of them. Sabine is the one who gets the protagonist beats in this episode. And I realized it kind of at the end. I was like, wait a minute, Ahsoka is getting focus, but Sabine is getting the protagonist's journey. 
So we can very easily, we pick up in the middle of Ahsoka's story. Like she's been out here. She's been doing this. She's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Not a whole lot changes for her like emotionally throughout the episode. Sabine, on the other hand, gets very clear protagonist beats. We get the ordinary world with Sabine. We get where she's at setting it up, the change that's going to happen. We get the call to adventure with Sabine. She's the one who's brought onto the ship and given this sort of task to open the map and she's going to be able to find Ezra. That's the call to adventure. And the episode ends with the inciting incident for Sabine, which is Shin takes the map. Sabine opens the map, potentially discovers she can actually find Ezra. Shin takes the map. Sabine gets stabbed. Sabine is the one who gets these beats. Sabine is the one who starts on this journey. And while both characters are going to change, it is weird for me to watch knowing Ahsoka will change, but she's not written as someone who's at the start of a journey. Sabine is written as someone who's on the start of a journey. And this is the journey that she will go on over the next eight episodes to find Ezra. Ahsoka, she's more closed off even to the audience in terms of like, what does she actually want? And why is she actually doing it? We get a lot of very clear motivation for Sabine as to why Sabine is doing what she's doing. She wants to find Ezra. We just know Ahsoka wants to find Grand Admiral Thrawn, but we're not really sure why she's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn other than she's just sort of trying to prevent another war. They don't really get into the trauma of the Clone Wars. They don't really get into, you know, she's very committed to this up front in this first episode. So I think that the writing of them as co-protagonists of this feels a little unbalanced especially in this first episode, just because Ahsoka is more of a static character. Sabine already is being set up to be a more dynamic character who's going to change immensely over the course of this show. And I think that's why that ep- this episode feels weird to me, because I-, I wish they had not called it Ahsoka. I wish that they had called it something else, because I want to focus on Ahsoka, but she's not getting all the protagonisty beats. So that's why I think looking back on it, knowing where the show's going to go, I think I'm much more charitable to it. But I do think looking at it just in terms of story beats, Sabine is a much more traditional protagonist in this episode than Ahsoka is. And that's something that we're already set up on a weird, like, off-kilter footing for me. Other than that, I think the episode's fine. I think, like you said, it's it's does a good job of introducing who is Ezra Bridger, who is Sabine Wren, who is Harrison Dula, what happened. Grand Emerald Throne disappeared with Ezra. They disappeared together. It, it sort of sets these things up for people who didn't watch Rebels, but it is also very obviously a continuation of Rebels. And so we've set a bunch of things up. We're going to see where this show goes. All right, what are we what are we plugging? You can find me on For Light and Dice, a TTRPG podcast set in the High Republic that is in the middle of a traumatic second season uh, of which we recorded <laughs> some very interesting episodes, which will have probably come out by the time you hear this episode. Uh, Bradley, what are we plugging for you right now? You can watch some of the shows that I've worked on before in the past on Peacock. You can watch Queen's Court Season 1, Temptation Island Season 5, and Married to Medicine Season 10. All right, well, next week we'll be doing Ahsoka Episode 2. Bradley, I guess go ahead and run our socials. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? 
Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com to let us know. You can also find us on Twitter at at goldsquadgaze, and you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at at goldsquadrongaze. You can also find us on YouTube at our Gold Squadron Gaze YouTube channel, where we post full episodes of this show. Finally, if you liked the show, don't forget to rate us and give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. That allows other people to find our show. As always, thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze, and we'll see you next week. I keep getting distracted by your dog moving in the background. I keep being like, what is happening? He's just your roommate's dog. <laughs> I was like, what is happening back there?